This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two fantastic human beings, Kara Shimborski. Hey. And Tia Vasiliu. Hello. Thank you guys for being here. Welcome back again, week two in a row for Kara. I'm very excited to talk about comic books and all sorts of things this week. Before we get into our main topic, which is very exciting, let's talk about what comics we've read, what comics we're excited about, and how everybody's been. So let me ask the question that I ask every week. How have comics been? How have you been? Let's start with you, Kara. Okay. So I currently have a mountain of Aquaman <laughs> trades on my, the saga on my best continues. table. I, I will continue to go through them. I was totally optimistic in getting them all out of the library at once. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to read like one a night. This will be great. And then my week fell apart. So mm-hmm. that happened. I did start the Atomic Blonde graphic novel. So it it actually, I so, so I saw this on the library bookshelf and I was like, oh, yet another film that I like that was originally a graphic novel, but nobody bothered to say, hey, this is based on a graphic novel. So... Um, the film Atomic Blonde from two years ago, starring Charlize Theron, um, was originally a graphic novel called The Coldest City, published by Oni, Ill- written right. by Anthony Johnston, illustrated by Sam Hart. And I really enjoy the film Atomic Blonde, mostly because the entire time I was watching it, I was like, why are we on Jason Bourne? 20 or whatever when we could be having Charlize as a kick-ass action headliner like someone please explain this to me like thank you so much Matt Damon for your time next so, <laughs> I love you Kara <laughs> anyway so I'm like so I, I didn't get to finish this GN yet but just from the the first like third of it, the tonal differences from the film are very striking. Because when I think of the movie, I think of a lot of frantic kinetic energy, all those intense fight scenes, like mm-hmm. literally pulling no punches, kind of like a a moody neon late 80s vibe. The soundtrack to me is a big part of that film. And in contrast, the original graphic novel is very stark. It's almost austere in how it's created it's Mm -hmm. black and white there's very little nuance and shading it's very like if there's a like the the first time that you see the berlin wall it is just black on like one side of a panel so it's it's very stark and striking and uh, i did like a quick flip through to see if there were any like prolonged fight scenes and there aren't so i think what they did with the movie is take the quiet uh like literally cold-blooded spy work of this gn and just kind of double that and amp it up with a lot of like shiny soundtrack and slick action scenes which Mm -hmm. i'm not mad at but it's just it's a very different departure from what the book originally was gotcha I mean, but but did you, have you enjoyed what you've read so far in this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, I think there's a little bit more, because there's less of the, the visuals going on that you have in the film, I'm able to pay attention a little bit more to the dialogue and what the plot is actually addressing. There's this, uh, gotcha. there's this one line kind of towards the beginning when our heroine arrives in Berlin and she meets her contact and he says like, or he makes like a really sexist comment about how 
Um, he doesn't want to take orders from a woman. And she like just shoots right back. Well, that explains why you've been in Berlin for 10 years. And it took me a minute. I'm like, oh, he didn't like the idea of working for Margaret Thatcher. So he ran away to Berlin <laughs> to play with the, no, the Soviets for 10 years. I get it. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> there's there's a little more of the the trusting your reader and trusting your audience to make those connections. And if they don't, it's like not the end of the world. You still understand that this dude is a sexist asshole, but there's mm-hmm. like maybe a few more layers to that. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I've seen the cover for this now that I've, now that I start to think about it, I've seen the cover for this book. I'm, I had no idea that this was the book that atomic blonde was based on. Now I kind of want to try it. Uh huh. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely good so far. I'm going to absolutely continue reading. It's just like, I'm going to read it and then I'm going to go back and rewatch the movie and be like two different things, but both awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Tia, how are you? How have comic books been? All of that. I'm good. Uh, anyone who's following me on Twitter might know that I am getting close to the end of watching Game of Thrones for the first time. Like I'm almost <laughs> caught up for the new season to start in uh-huh. April. That's kind of been consuming most of my life. I, I will say your commentary has been fantastic, so I really appreciate it. Thank I'll just, you. I'm going to call yeah, that so out right here. This is the first here. time I had ever seen it. Mm-hmm. I have always resisted watching it because I just find a lot of the execution of it really distasteful oh, um, sure. in terms of the like graphic violence and rape and all of that. But I had there was a reason why I needed to watch it that I won't get into. Um, I didn't need to watch the whole thing. But at a certain point, I was like, all right, I'm into it. Like, I, I really like the story. The storytelling has its flaws, which I comment on Twitter about a lot. But mm-hmm. anyway, um yeah, so I've been deeply embroiled in all nerdy things. I mean, Wh- the last couple of San Diego Comic-Cons, I feel like Game of Thrones was everywhere, or I guess the last one was more Westworld. I don't know. Anyway, it's something I I now have seen, so I've joined the rest of you. Right. <laughs> Do you have a house that you like you like to side with? You know, most people watch the show and they pick a house that they're kind of into. Do you have a house that you prefer over all the others? You know, I don't know because I really I I I more have people than houses. Okay. Because not everyone okay. in you know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I guess This isn't how- like Harry Potter. It's not as easy as <laughs> Harry Potter by a long shot. <laughs> I, I my new favorite is um Lyanna Mormont for sure. Oh totally. Okay. Yeah. Like I just love this little ten year old girl being like, excuse me, old men, but fuck you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> now I know where you are exactly in the show, and that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um the Tyrells are great. I feel really bad for for everything that's gone down with them and I really oh, yeah. yeah, you know. I'm disappointed that Elena and Tywin didn't hook up and and hate fuck at least once, but oh well. <laughs> There's fan fiction right. for that. Can't have everything. It's, it's okay because you know what? This is all comic book related in a weird way because there are Game of Thrones comics. So you know what? There are. Whoever's listening to this, we're still on comic Sorry. books, people. Okay. Maybe we'll do a mini zone. I don't know. I, Moving on. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not trying to stop you because I'm absolutely loving this. Please continue. Uh, <laughs> um. Anyways, I did read comics also because Wiktiv came out this week. Uh-huh. I, I I think that Mike always schedules me on a Wiktiv week. Just you know, I swear to God that is just a coincidence. But you know what? 
so be it. This is this is the actual meta meta level where Wiktiv is actually controlling the scheduling of this show. It's somehow. true. It, it's true. Tia. Um, I actually, f- yeah. If Mike was one of the gods in the Pantheon, who would he be? <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> I'm just well, asking. I feel, <laughs> I feel like, okay, here's the thing. Like, everyone knows that Inanna is like a good sweet boy, which so is Mike, but Mike's not slutty. So <laughs> maybe. I think maybe we Dino. determined that maybe astrologically he is. Like, if you look at Mike's stars, <laughs> he, he is. is slutty? Yeah. Well, didn't oh, yeah, we establish uh, this in the group chat? Yeah, we were talking about how, uh, because I'm a Libra, I'm slutty. That's just how it goes. <gasps> Libras are so slutty. But, Mike, <laughs> you're so not a Libra. <laughs> you can't you fight sure the stars, Tia. Right? I absolutely. I mean, it's. I'm late. <laughs> I'm late in the Libra game. So, like, very close to the edge of the Libra game. What's the What's the cusp there? What What's maybe you were Eight meant. Days. Maybe you Eight were meant days. to be the next one, though. I don't. What comes after Libra? That's yeah. that's the thing. Kara, I don't know. You want me to Google? You're it? the expert. I'm not. Let's. I just have memes yes. online. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Me too. I mean, I just know that I'm such a. I'm such a Scorpio that it's actually a cliche and it's like kind of sad. No, it's great. Yeah, Scorpio it's is the really next entertaining. one. So. Oh, oh, you're definitely not a Scorpio. Right. They're this also is this. kind of slutty. <laughs> <laughs> but like. <laughs> oh this is a whole mini said too. This is a whole mini so too. You know, we're. we're we'll do I Zodiacs on Hogwarts House alignments. I mean, I know we really should get back to the focus. We of really the show, probably should, which is but, that you're a Dionysus, not an Inanna, because you're not okay. slutty enough to be an Inanna. But you here's would- what's great, though. Next week is the annual episode, and the annual episode doesn't have a topic. We're just talking about the last year, and great. I think this is a thing. We need to bring this up. Okay. We need to cast everyone into their Harry Potter houses as well as match them with their signs and have a full discussion. So that's what okay. we're doing next week, folks. Sounds good. <laughs> Anyways, All right. back right. to Wicked. The public back needs to, to know. <laughs> I think it was 41. I kind of am like not looking at the numbers anymore because it's almost over and that's just yes. making me sad. Anyway, I um, but I will say that this was the first issue in a while where I was like, oh, maybe everything will be okay. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. I won't say anymore because it's like lots of big spoiler things and you just need to read it. Okay. Um, the book that I really want to talk about that I read is called um, La Voz de Mayo, M-A-Y-O, like as a as a, an a- a acronym for some something that um, is a it's an organization that the writer's great grandfather started. So this is a book that was on Kickstarter, and I think actually Top Cow is gonna publish it. Um, Henry Barras is the writer, and he is uh, teamed up with Jay Gonzo and Bernando Bryce, and it's basically about uh, Ramon Howie who is. Henry's great-grandfather, and he was this social activist in Tucson who helped lobby to prevent um, a freeway from being built through Yaki lands, which would have displaced a lot of people who lived there. And he ends up like, you know, creating this organization that just kind of like does community service and helps people. And um, so the story in the comic is, is kind of like 
Henry has done all this research about his great grandfather and um, kind of it's sparked by this sort of current political climate and how his great grandfather is still really involved in in all this kind of activism mm-hmm. and so it has a sort of personal s- sort of uh it's a personal story but i also think that it's just such a really it, it's like a, a kind of real life superhero story in a way too um and the artwork is done in this kind of like 1930s WPA mural style which is so perfect for it because it kind of grounds it in this historic art tradition that valorizes public work and public heroes and so it just kind of like fits the theme of the story really really well and is really good for uh, setting the tone there are a couple of panels that just are so exquisite there's a very tight color palette that I like it's um, and so, yeah, there are certain panels where I just feel like, oh, my God, that could be a print. There's like an establishing shot um, on one page of an, an elementary school and the color work is just stunning. Like, so it's an it's a great story, but also just every page is so beautiful. There's an, a nine panel grid that also is just like they're, they're really well composed. And then in the back, there's newspaper clippings and pictures uh, so you kind of get more of a sense that this is like a real life person. But but it's just, it's a nice, I think comics is such a neat medium. I know that some people don't love like biographical comics, but I actually really enjoy them. I think that it is something that we associate with heroics. And so it's a way where you could like heroicize a, a person who, but also the story is about, um, you know, Ramon's family and friends and how the heroic things that he did kind of come from this really personal place and and he just it happens one step at a time you know you don't like set out to do something grand necessarily you just kind of tackle the obstacle in your path and then you go on to the next one and on to the next one and then before you know it you've made this significant contribution to your community you know and that's kind of how like real life heroes work so Definitely. It's, yeah, it's really great. And I think the next one comes out in March. So keep an eye out for Yeah, it. I, I was just looking at the Kickstarter page. Holy cow. That art is fantastic. Just the previews that they have on the Kickstarter page. That's I, I want to check this out for sure. This is this looks beautiful. Yeah, it's really good. And really well-researched story. Because from what I understood, like um, Henry had to kind of go back and do some research on this. It didn't sound like... Mm-hmm you know, his grandfather necessarily was like, I was, you know, telling all of these stories. It sounds like he was a little humble about it and and not necessarily like thinking of himself as a hero in this way. And then it was mm-hmm. only, um, at, you know, later that Henry realized like, oh, wow, all of these things like, you know, happened and, and he wanted to tell the story. So that's awesome. For me this week, I read a handful of things, mostly collections and whatever backlog stuff i've been really really trying to read through all of my backlog stuff on top of my weekly books um, which means some weeks i'm ahead on my weekly books some weeks i'm behind but nonetheless i'm really trying to get through this massive bookshelf that i have that i've been collecting for many many years and it's it's starting to become annoying uh but anyways i read giant days volume eight this is a more recent book uh john allison max Saren, liz fleming I don't really have much to say about this because right now we're very deep into the story of everything. There's some. This volume is a major turning point for the story, which I 
really appreciate. Like 30 plus issues and I didn't feel like this book needed a turning point and yet we got one and I'm very satisfied with how it ended. Um, so if you're not reading Giant Days, get on that because it's great. Uh, otherwise, I read this book for a book club that I run at my office uh, called Lucky Penny. This is by Ananth Hirsch um, and with art by Yuko Oda. And the summary that I wrote was whimsy, bad luck, a cat, dating, D&D, a child who runs a laundry map, acts like he's 55 years old. That's what Lucky Penny is about. Uh, this, there's a woman, her name is Penny, and she kind of just has bad luck with everything. And so she's trying to make her way through life after a series of unfortunate events and she meets a guy, it kind of works, and it's just a very nice slice of life, a little bit greater than real life story. Kind, It reminds me of a good version of Scott Pilgrim, if that makes any sense. Um, this book is super cute. Um, it was like the pick-me-up that I really needed during the blistering cold of New York winter. There's no snow here, it's just harsh, evil, bitter, cold wind. And this is a nice book to just sit down and read in a sitting. It's all black and white. Uh, it was originally published online and then collected by Oni Press um, after a series of a, a very, very long story that goes into the background of that. But if you're interested, I would say check out Lucky Penny. I think right now it's on sale digitally, like everywhere, half off. Um, but otherwise, it makes a very, very beautiful book to put on your bookshelf because it's printed on very high quality paper, which makes it the book actually thicker than it should be. It's like thicker than your regular Marvel or DC trade. And instead, it's like a 200 pages that looks like it's a 300 page book. And it's just, it's very well done from beginning to end. Um, Ananth Hirsch and Yuko Odo are fantastic creators. They do a lot of really cool online stuff that gets collected, like um, johnnywander.com is their website. Right now, they're doing this series called Barbarous. They've also done a book called, uh, the together called Our Cats Are More Famous Than Us, which is all about an Instagram account that kind of got out of control. And they've done a bunch of other things. One of my favorite books that I read, I think, last year was a book called Buzz by uh, Ananth Hirsch wrote it and Tess Stone drew it. And it's about what if spelling bees were like Yu-Gi-Oh matches where the more powerful and long and complicated the word was, the more powerful the spell was that you were casting. It's the most insane book you could ever read. So if you get a chance, you should read Lucky Penny. It's very cute. It's very fun. It's like a nice offbeat kind of book that'll maybe lift your spirits a little bit, because it's a very nice, nice, cute book. Um, but that's me. Uh, so let's move on to books that are coming out this upcoming week. Comic books are being released on January 23rd, 2019. What are you both excited for this week? Let's start with you, Tia. Well, I know it's not Halloween anymore, but I always love good horror anthology. And it looks like for Marvel's 80th anniversary, they're do kind of going back to their roots. They weren't always known for superheroes. They used to do a lot of like horror and different pulp genres comics because that's what comics were 80 years ago. So right. um, <laughs> Crypt of Shadows is going to come out. Um, Al Ewing is writing it. with uh, It's like a, a bunch of short stories with different artists for each story. I love Al Ewing. And so I love horror. And this seems like a cool thing to pick up and get me through the long year until Halloween comes again. <laughs> that's cool. I, the cover for this book looks terrifying. So that should be that's a good start. I almost wish that that they would have like an an audiobook version because I feel like Al Ewing would be such a great narrator for like horror short stories. Oh yeah, he's got that really deep British voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. 
Cool. Well, uh, Kara, what are you excited for this week? I'm keeping in with Tia's Halloween theme. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's all thanks to you, Mike, because uh-huh. you brought this farcical-sounding book to my attention, Blossoms 666, from Archie Comics, <laughs> specifically from the Archie Horror imprint. Oh, and yeah. This book looks insane. <laughs> like, I can't... Like, I believe that they made it, but I can't believe they made it. It's a thing. Anyway, so... As anyone who's listened to this show ever with me on it or who follows my Twitter account knows, I'm like high key obsessed with Cheryl Blossom. She's Mm -hmm. like, for those of you who aren't familiar with Archie Comics, think Veronica Lodge, but make her richer and make her a redhead. And that's Cheryl. And Cheryl has a twin brother, Jason. And in recent years in Archie Comics, they've done like, in their horror imprint at least, they've given them like a weird twin sesty vibe. Mm-hmm. And so I can only imagine that's how this book was spawned. So Blossom 666, the premise is one of them is the Antichrist. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're we're going there? Okay. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> so that's on my list. <laughs> oh, man, this book. I mean, and the cover for this book looks gorgeous. Like all the RG horror books get like the best treatment in the world. I don't know who's I don't know who's making these decisions over at Archie, but they're doing a fantastic job with the horror line. I love it so much. Yeah, it's really like it, like it. It must be just the only you're saying like, oh, I don't know who's making these decisions. I'm like, I don't know. The devil's making a pretty strong case over there. Just be just getting edgier <laughs> and edgier with saying, yeah, let's uh, yeah. let's do a book about the Antichrist. <laughs> I'm like, is that you, uh. Satan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with Chilean Adventures, I mean, somehow the Archie brand is doing very well with the horror stuff. I, it's it's very it's uncanny. I think once they decided, oh, we're doing this, oh, we're doing this, they were like, let's do this, mm-hmm. and they just really leaned into it. Maybe they realized that, like, you know, okay, yeah, there's some horror in some of the stuff that Dark Horse does. Swamp Thing is horror, but I think they were like, no, we want like horror, horror. Let's do that. So I guess they just kind of leaned into it. But uh, uh, speaking of catchy synopses, Mike, I see in your notes for your pick this week that that was part of the draw. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so putting things together, I didn't realize that we were all picking horror books this week. Um, I'm picking Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 1. And this is by Ed Brisson and Carlos Gomez. And the synopsis for the issue is simply... Cyclops exclamation point and I simply want to die because <laughs> they're bringing him back and I don't know how to feel about that because he died very very recently and the cover for this book looks extremely sexier than I think Marvel intended uh-huh um I want to just say if you both get a chance you should definitely jump or jump onto Google look up uncanny x-men annual number one's oh, cover I'm looking and let me know what you think. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm I'm looking, but in the meantime, Cyclops died? Question mark. Yeah, there's a whole there's a whole thing. Has he um, died before? I I in my memory, I don't think he's died in like a quote unquote permanent way, but he has I don't know disappeared for a while. He so long and short, like there was this whole thing where they brought the young X Men back. Because Cyclops was being this militant a-hole. And so 
a lot of things happen. Next thing we know, the Inhumans, um, their whole traveling spaceship planet explodes over Earth, releasing this gas of Terrigen mists (laughs) onto Earth. And it turns out that that's deadly to mutants. And Cyclops gets killed by said Terrigen mists. And it's a whole thing. Um, Um, Spoilers, I'm sorry. Mike. After for saying all that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, Mike, so for this cover I'm looking at, am I looking at the Cyborgy cover? Yes. If you look at it, it's literally just Tara. Cyclops men. Just. <laughs> yes, it's just Cyclops crawling all over each other. Cyclops eye, however you'd say that. It's a so, whole thing. It's a cy- Cyborgy. Cyborgy. And with that, we're going to take a break. I can't see it. No, I, we I know. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about something that is very important when it comes to comic books and nerddom in general, and that is nerd fashion. What does that mean? What types of nerd fashion are there? So the reason why we wanted to talk about this ep- this on the show this week is because Kara and Tia have opened my eyes to an entirely different world than what I, ex- I knew when it came to nerd fashion, because from my perspective... The only kinds of quote-unquote nerd fashion things you could find for a long time were just t-shirts and maybe sweatpants or, you know, you get your Batman underwear that you'd see in every cartoon for the longest time. But that was it, and it seemed like it only appealed to people like me, straight white dudes, (laughs) for the most part. Um, And it turns out that actually very recently things have changed, not like yesterday, but in the last decade, things have started to grow and expand. And I think that's maybe obvious to a lot of people. But I want to talk about what other types of things exist out there. Because quite honestly, I didn't know that there were more than just like t-shirts or whether that's unisex or just for dudes or just, you know, just for women. There are entire lines of clothing and makeup and jewelry and all this stuff that's out there. And Kara and Tia are the foremost experts that I know to talk about this on the show. So Outside of all of that stuff, I think we we kind of touched on it last week on the show. Kara went on a little bit of a um, rant. We'll say rant um, <laughs> <laughs> about some cosmetics, and I legitimately did not know that there was like Sharon Carter made specific makeup that you could buy. Like, there's definitely a lot Peggy more Carter, than this, this stuff. Or excuse me, sorry, Peggy Carter, one of the Carters. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. One of you, I mean, if you guys want to start with just some of the examples that you have, we can kind of go into the topic deeper, but I'd love to hear some more examples of that kind of stuff that maybe someone like myself, who's really not too deep or trying to pay attention to that stuff normally would, had not have, maybe not, excuse me, maybe has not heard of, Ugh, just word vomit there. So for for me, uh, my my awareness of nerd fashion was when I was a high schooler starting to get into comics and it very quickly came apparent that any kind of clothing that I wanted to get to display this love for these characters was going to come from the men's or boys sections of like Kohl's, Target, Walmart, whatever. And like even into college, my options were, you know, you get a, a, a very, very tight the size is wrong for you t-shirt in the women's section that says like looking for a super boyfriend 
<laughs> and or you could go to the dude section and get like a really cool distressed looking flash logo oh my god i wore that t-shirt into the ground and mm-hmm. they're just the options weren't there and as like in our capitalist society as a consumer it made me feel like they didn't want my money i'm like i am literally begging to give you my dollars so that i can like sport my batman pride or whatever and you don't want it and i don't know why so uh i think for me i started noticing more things available to women um specifically made with um female presenting bodies in mind kind of around the time of the Avengers movie coming out, maybe a little bit before then the first time I really like noticed that there was stuff being made for me was when I saw her universe, which is a company that was founded by Ashley Eckstein, who voices Ahsoka Tano on star Wars, clone wars and star Wars rebels. And she's a star Wars nerd who was like, why are there not any things that I can wear without me having to like just be in a boxy t-shirt or have to like cut it up to like tie the waist and make it look the way I want it to look so she just started Mm -hmm. making clothes and because she was working with Lucasfilm already she like got her licenses and started making like these really cute Star Wars dresses and like clothes featuring the female characters that were designed in ways that looked flattering on female bodies and I was just like yes Oh my god, yes. So that was where I first noticed that there was kind of a shift happening where all of a sudden I was being valued as a consumer of these nerdier properties. Mm-hmm. And I think I I only started noticing that at conventions. Like, And I think things have changed now. In 2019, it's a little bit different than maybe 2010. But you know, going to comic book conventions, you would only be able to find that kind of stuff in a physical space at those at at conventions where there would be a booth and it would just have you know dresses or would have a lot of like shirts and sweaters and stuff that were aimed more at like female presenting folks and uh that weren't just boxy t-shirts because you can always find the boxy t-shirts there's always going to be that stand at a comic book convention that is you know all the way to the ceiling and they have to use like three extender things to get down (laughs) a you know your green lantern t-shirt that you really really want that's just screen printed and it costs 35 dollars um but seeing something like her universe or the other one that i can think of right now is we love fine i think has a lot of I think that's what they're called. Yep. They have a lot of stuff that's aimed at not just men, but women and children and all sorts of stuff. So that if, you know, your whole family wants to celebrate or if you and your, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever want to get matching t-shirts, you can. And it's not going to look like you're wearing the, you're both wearing the same shirt or sweater. It's actually going to be contoured in a way that actually fits your body type. Well, and another thing I think that's really smart that these companies do is like, there's a difference between wearing the t-shirt that has the logo of a character that you like and some sort of like closet cosplay situation where you're like dressed like them but it Mm -hmm. you're not wearing a costume it's just clothes because another aspect of low-key cosplay (laughs) i love that yeah (laughs) like another aspect of this that i i think probably started happening around the same time uh around the avengers movie um, and also branching out from superheroes into other nerd spaces like Star Wars and Harry Potter and things like that. Like the idea that you could just wear them in your everyday life. Like it wasn't just a thing you would wear to conventions. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, you could have a dress that if someone knows 
like if they recognize the pattern and the sort of like subtle styling they'll be like oh like that that's a jedi dress but to some right. someone who doesn't know that will just be like oh that's a dress with a pattern on it yeah i have i have a, a few pieces like that in my wardrobe that i think are actually all from her universe because i just oh, i love their stuff um i have a sweater that is like a 50s style cropped cardigan with like faux pearl buttons and the pattern is the naboo royal symbol from the star wars prequels but from far away it just looks like i'm wearing a cute sweater that has a fleur de lis all over it but then you get closer and you're like oh you're a fucking nerd (laughs) (laughs) or we that's that's all we really want right (laughs) there's like a great set of pictures of me and Kara at reunion bar in new york and she's wearing her jedi dress and i'm wearing my sith dress they're like hoodie dresses oh my goodness (laughs) i forgot about that (laughs) nerds yeah just fyi if you ever see Kara and tia together at a con like they're pretty much the coolest dressed people around hands Aww. down i'll say that having gone to one convention with the both of you it was easily easily known that you guys were the coolest people dressed because you're, ne- you're not like over flamboyant <laughs> about it but like it's definitely subtly super fucking cool for anyone that's paying attention <laughs> i'll just say that i'm like i'm blushing you- i'm so excited for c2e2 this year you have no idea you i'm gonna be no hanging idea, out with Mike. cool people and I can I can just be my nerdy self hanging out in the background. It's going to be really great. At that show, actually, I was walking around the floor and some guy came up to me and was like, I really like your outfit. I know you're not cosplaying. I just like your outfit. <laughs> I was Aww. like, thanks. <laughs> um, I mean, oh God, like con ward. I, I feel like I could almost do a whole other episode just on con wardrobes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just you know, plug the book that I wrote an essay in about oh, yeah. con yeah, wardrobes, yeah. Uh, the uh, pros and comic cons, which is coming out from Dark Horse in the end of May, I think, May 29th or something like that. Uh, so check that out. I have a whole essay about this in there. Because uh, yes, I go extra hard. I wear heels at cons. I wear like all of my goth finery and... Um, Honestly, I think if you only knew me from cons and you saw me like on the street on a regular day, you wouldn't even recognize me. But now you right. know what it's like to be a movie star. I mean, the star it's like you're wearing something different on the red carpet as opposed to going around the corner to the bodega to get your groceries for that morning. Right. I mean, there have been times, I think I was going to see VLDF party and my dress was just so sparkly and extra and we like called a car. And so I'm like getting into the car and like there were a bunch of girls who were like debating whether or not they should take our picture to d- like see if they could figure out who we were later. Yeah, just little did they know it's just a bunch of fucking just nerds. A bunch of nerds. <laughs> that's it. But like that's I love. I mean, comic cons as a they're like these liminal spaces where you're they're not real life, and it's just a concentrated period of time where you're around everyone that you know, or at least for me anyway. And like, so yeah, I just I basically I can't keep up any level of glam or like even you know presentable human being on the regular but for Mm -hmm. four or five days I could just concentrate all of my attention and bring like 
you know, I bring like ten outfit changes a day at, to to cons. I don't even give a fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I do my makeup in the morning. I do a totally yeah. different set of makeup mm-hmm. in the evening. Yep. Like after the so, power nap between stuff, I've got to, like to to loop it back in. Yeah. So with with this idea of wearing these types of outfits and wearing specific makeup, are you wearing like specific makeup that's like? themed makeup like the Sharon excuse me the Peggy Carter like (laughs) makeup that we were talking about last week because I know that these things exist but I never in my mind would thought that there would be a specific set of makeup for that kind of stuff because in the past like I bought Kelly you know like a makeup pad that was all of the the colors of the Legend of Zelda like main character colors and that was like you know blushes I I, I don't know enough about makeup <laughs> to speak to it all I know is that probably it was like eyeshadow, something Mike. with makeup it was probably eyeshadow that's actually Mike. right uh, <laughs> Ooh, girl we could talk about makeup all day long I think we should sure. start with nail wraps because oh. I think that was oh. where, that was kind of where my awareness of nerd makeup began. So okay. fun story. Kara uh-huh. and I went to the New York City Ballet Spring Gala because, <laughs> of course, we did. I and uh-huh. we both were wearing the Wicked and Divine nail wraps, which were really awesome. And so we're sitting at our seats and then the theater lights go down and surprise, the nail wraps glow in the dark. <laughs> oh and my so goodness. we had to sit on our hands for the whole show because <laughs> the people so- around us were so bad. <laughs> Nail wraps oh, so for for the people that maybe don't know are these are the things you like press onto your nails, right? They're like or is yeah. this sticker nail else? polish. They're kind of like a okay. sticker. I can only wear them. I only wear them at cons because my nails actually hate them. Because like you right. imagine your your nails like your nails need to breathe, <laughs> and mm-hmm. like I wear nail polish basically as many days out of the year as I can, but. Like I, I definitely have off weeks here and there because your nails just need to breathe. And fun fact, if you put a sticker on top of them, they really fucking hate that. So yeah. w- like once or twice a year for a convention, I will do a nerdy nail wrap because then it's it's a sticker. It's not going to chip. My manicure is not going to get messed up and I'm not going to fixate it on it the whole time. So mm-hmm. I do the nail mat wraps and when I peel them off, some of my nail comes off too. But that's fine because <sighs> nails grow <laughs> and then I'm ready yep. for the next time. <laughs> So I've been Beauty like is pain, Mike. Yeah. So I've been working through. <laughs> I've got one more set of Wickdiv wraps that I'll wear for C two E two, and they'll glow in the dark. And Tia will spit out her drink when she sees them. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I'll do that when it comes to just like regular con makeup. I like for myself developed a system where I do I do actually wear during the day um, the Bessemer Cosmetics uh, 1946 inspired co- color red velvet because that is the lipstick color that um, Haley Atwell wears as Agent Carter in the Agent Carter TV series. So of course I mm-hmm. bought that, um, and also I'll wear either that or like a brighter red during the day, and then at night I'll switch over to like some kind of crazy eye makeup and maybe like a lip gloss because when you're out at night you like don't want to be doing lipstick retouches every time you have a drink or every time you're eating Mm -hmm. something but during the day it's like whatever i'm gonna duck into the bathroom i redo my lip and then like that's it yeah i agree with that gotcha it's weird like i actually don't wear any of my nerd stuff at conventions anymore i i feel like i rather than cosplay as other characters or like even like low-key cosplay i just cosplay the most extra version of myself (laughs) if that makes sense (laughs) 
Sure. I mean, it's it's like you said. It's this is the like time of the year where you can focus for four or five days straight just on that. Why wouldn't you take it to the max? It doesn't have to be super nerdy. Well, I think I it's should like, clarify. Yes. Oh, like we don't table. And I think that there's... Oh, right. That's why we have the bandwidth to do this. People who table... There actually are some people who table and also go extra hard with their con wardrobe. And I think that they're mm-hmm. witches because I don't know what kind of sorcery... <laughs> like like Jen Bartel and Babs Tar, like they always look yeah. fucking yeah. amazing. Oh, my God. Babs and I'm Tar just like, always looks airbrushed. How? And I'm right? like, mm-hmm. what did you do? Her outfits, I, I love all of her outfits. I, they're just... I don't know. It's like, and and Jen Bartel too, and and I feel like they often will coordinate it to like their prints that they're selling that year. And I'm just like, you guys are sorceresses. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> for for me, with the things that I'm wearing, it kind of depends on what nerdy clothing I have in my wardrobe at any one given moment. Like one year at New York Comic Con, not during the day, but at night, I really wanted to wear like a mini dress. But it's October in New York, so it's not exactly warm. But I had these really awesome Spider Gwen leggings that were like multicolored and it had nice. like the face and everything. So I wore those and with the mini dress. And then there was another year where I really wanted to wear a sparkly mini dress I had. So I wore that with like planar leggings and my glow in the dark Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Doc Martens with Leonardo on the side. <laughs> I have pictures of you in that outfit. It was great. <laughs> See, Sarah so, is smarter than me because she finds ways to do this. I just suffer. I don't understand how you can wear heels. I say this as a person with wide feet. Like, I literally can't find heels that fit me. So I guess that's part of it. Is Years I'm just like, no, ballet. we're wearing flats. <laughs> Years oh, yeah. of right. ballet training. Right. That would do it. Yeah. Um, I definitely, like, I'll do, like, my nerdy dresses during the day i have so many star wars dresses i have this one where ray walking across the desert in jakku is like it's it's just printed on the fabric all the way down um i have a han solo like cosplay dress that actually just is one of the best fitting dresses i've ever worn it's just like you with that dress uh just hugs my curves in all the right ways and (laughs) (laughs) uh i've got my like jedi cosplay dress um and then i've got like some like nerdy t-shirts but i kind of agree with t i think i'm at a point where i don't always go like super overt with my nerdy wear when i'm at conventions and i think it's Mm -hmm. like when i started going there more professionally it became more of a i'm here for my job so i couldn't look like someone who was just going to be like sitting on the floor waiting for a panel all day like I had to look like someone who was there who could be taken seriously but had enough nerdy stuff incorporated where it was like yeah I know what you're talking about but also like I did my makeup to be here (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know how to this is where enamel pins become super important because you (laughs) put one of those on and then you're totally good that's about as far as I go as trying for trying because I'm I just put on my nerdy t-shirts and that or my I read comic books t-shirts at this Uh point and then just walk around the con um 
But I think there's there's like a bigger question here. Um, and Tia, you wrote this in the notes. Like, you know, why do people wear this stuff? Like, what's the big draw to say I really need to spend a hundred dollars on this Star or sorry, a hundred dollars? That's cheap. Two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> on this Star Lord jacket. Like, what's the big draw for people to to get this kind of stuff? Is it is it just a massive obsession, or is there is it like a mix of like actual fashion versus also showing off your nerd cred because I know like the Star Lord jacket for example um, I've seen it there's a company that makes it and I cannot for the life of me remember what they're called but they make like really really nice uh, Captain Marvel dresses and I've seen like a lot of really cool bomber jackets that they make it's like this weird expression of of being able to show off your nerd cred but also really looking good so I've actually been thinking about this a lot because I'm actually doing a panel at Emerald City Comic Con about goth comics. And so, like, I've been thinking a lot about why people, like, why would you, why do goths dress the way they dress? You know, like, why do you pick a strong aesthetic and, like, really adhere to it and really sort of, like, broadcast your sensibilities. I think it's kind of the same deal. And I think that in most cases, it's basically that you're, like, just trying to sort of, it's like putting your beacon, you're, like, hanging your lamp out in front of your house to say, like, hey, you know, come, I want you to recognize something in me and, and like, identify with me as I can find my people. I think that that is for people who feel like they're part of a counterculture of some kind. And I think it's arguable that both goths and nerds are like not counterculture anymore. They're just regular culture, sure. but right, right. that wasn't always the case. And and I think that though that that's still in the DNA of those, of those like aesthetics in some way. So mm-hmm. like when you think about what makes someone goth or what makes someone, what draws someone to a certain thing you could apply that also to nerd things too. And I think it's just an an idea of like, you want to have your identity reaffirmed. And in order to do that, you need to find the other people who do your identity in a similar way or who understand it. And there's a, there's a theorist. I want to say it's Adorno and Horkmeyer after Althusser, but I, my brain's broken today. I don't know, but there is, there, there are actual like, um, theorists who have written about this and they they call it like something hails to you basically gotcha and i think you know when you're at a comic convention like finding those people is very very easy but i think the end goal is to be able to buy something at at, a convention i realize we started to kind of circle around this idea of conventions because i think that's the easiest place to find others who are have similar interests but also to get this type of stuff that you wouldn't normally be able to find um I mean, you can buy a lot of this stuff online, but the shipping can be outrageous in a lot of cases. And so actually attending a convention and saying, well, you know, I brought this money to spend or, you know, you go to a convention with the idea of saying, I want to buy that kind of stuff um, to then saying, yes, now I've got the bomber jacket. Now other people will recognize me. Um, that totally makes sense. Uh, and I did Kelly bless her. She's fantastic. Um, reminded me the name of that company I was thinking of before is the hero within. They do very, very nice clothes it's very expensive but it's also very very nice i feel like um, hot topic is the is the intersection of goth and nerd stuff and there's a hot topic in oh, every totally. mall so you know <laughs> right um there's this doesn't just happen in convention spaces i th- i mean like 
people there's like you know bombshell or leggings too that is another one where they do like nerd fashion um prints on the leggings and you can wear them just as regular clothes just like out and about or you could Mm -hmm. wear them as part of a cosplay or if you're like me you can wear them to the gym um, and be like i'm Mm -hmm. a fucking superhero watch me like hang upside down my fucking leggings but like Mm -hmm. um it's not just stuff that you wear at conventions or as part of cosplay but like these are also leggings that people just wear as part of their regular outfit to work you know Mm -hmm. so some of the stuff that Kara and I think are talking about where it's like it's not quite a cosplay piece it I think people do feel more comfortable wearing it just in their everyday life now as opposed to like 15 years ago yeah I have a red leather jacket that I got at a sample sale for like 50 bucks and it's it, it kind of, like I put it on and I'm like oh it's like a Star Lord jacket and it's not it's from like I think it's from like Ann Taylor or something that's like this super mm-hmm. like you think oh a 40 year old woman shops there but right. you know <laughs> it's just like it reads as a Star Lord jacket so I actually wore it as like a casual Star Lord cosplay and it totally works because you don't need all the buckles and baubles. You're just like, at this point, you're like, oh, a red leather jacket. You're dressing like Star-Lord. Yeah. And it, right, it right. like makes you f- like feel kind of like the character for a few minutes, even if it's just like, that's the whole cosplay thing. You want to, something about that character appeals to you and you want to embody them. And so cat like the casual cosplay or even like the the Disney equivalent is Disney bounding where the people like dressed like Disney characters, but they're not dressed like Disney characters to get around like the copyright rules when you're in the parks. And it's like the same thing. You want to emulate that character that you like. You want to look like them, even if it's not like I got every detail, right? I I totally forgot that Disney has that rule where you're not supposed to cosplay or like dress up, but (laughs) casual cosplay, what are they going to (laughs) do? I think that you little kids can wear the outfits. If you, they're the Disney branded ones. Oh sure, yeah, sure, yeah. They don't want them mixing up the adults with the actual actors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do kind of love when someone's like, "Oh, you're cosplaying so and so character," and you're like, "No, this is just how I dress." <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I normally wear these Loki horns around. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, but I That's have the- gotten that before. Like people have asked, "Are you cosplaying Death?" And I'm like, "No, this is just how I dress." <laughs> I just got myself over the holidays I got myself a new dress and it's just like this it's this just very simple just green dress with like kind of like a drawstring waist and it just falls very nicely and I put it on and my mom's like oh that's very nice is does that mean something are you dressing like someone in particular and I'm like no mom but I'm so pleased we're at a level where you understand that that's a very definite question you should be asking me <laughs> Right, right. I mean, part uh, of this conversation, I feel like, you know, there's books like Wiktiv where, you know, the characters are just cool. And so it's pretty easy to be like, I'm dressed like myself, but also dressed like Luce for What's Up. I met a woman who I was like, oh, my God, are you cosplaying Lucy? And she's like, no, but, you know, yes. <laughs> like, just, I am now. Yeah, like, I am now. We're just, we just share a wardrobe. So that also, I think... Ha- is happening more now that and we've talked so much about like 
character design and stuff like that that we don't need to get into it much but people like Jamie McKelvey and Chris Anka and Kevin Wada like there there is a lot of fashion influence in their design sensibilities and it does make it easier to kind of ble- like blur the lines between I'm cosplaying mm-hmm. and I just look cool right yeah you could pull any of the outfits from say runaways or <laughs> most of Wickediv I guess and you could easily just dress up as one of those characters and it's not even like you have to make and custom sew a whole outfit it's like no just get a jacket that looks like this a shirt that's like has this kind of style and you're pretty much set like i think one of the easiest cosplays that kelly ever did was she dressed up as x23 from logan and it was like the only thing she really had to do was make some simple claws and then buy that pony t-shirt and it was it that was it she's got jeans at home that's the whole character yeah it's fantastic <laughs> i Actually, another pretty simple one to cosplay is Black Canary, because she's had so many different costume iterations, and it's basically like, do you have blonde hair, and are you wearing fishnets? Congratulations, you got it. <laughs> and a black jacket, <laughs> like, you're good. I, like, I <laughs> like, did that yeah. my senior year of college for a Halloween party. I was like, fishnets, black boots, I had a ballet leotard that I put on. And then I put on my black leather jacket over that. And at the time, my hair was platinum blonde. So I just curled it. And I was like, what's up? This I had all of the elements of this costume in my closet already. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, if if you're still not ready to be, like, full on entire outfit, there's also really cool little touches like jewelry that you can get where you're just like... I love Captain Marvel so much, but I don't want to wear a bodysuit, so I'm just going to wear right. this like necklace with the logo on it and or or like, you know, I I think that they sell non-compliant jewelry, you know, if you're like not really ready to get a tattoo or whatever. <laughs> I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, it's interesting the ways that people find to incorporate these little things into their look. And, and I think it's partly because it's just like, it's important. It's like a totem sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's how I feel about the makeup. Like I can wear all this nerdy makeup that I have every day if I want. And no one knows that it's nerdy makeup. I know. And that's the important part because it makes right. me feel like I am in control of my image and like, doing my makeup with this makeup that does have these nerdy associations is just like a way for me to remind myself of why I like this property or like if I'm doing a Disney princess thing I'm just like oh it's just like it's just like I'm a Disney princess when I do my makeup with this (laughs) snow white stuff or like um the a company that I really like is called Storybook Cosmetics and they're a small indie Mm -hmm. brand they've like just started distributing some stuff at Ulta and they recently got the Star Wars license. And the first thing they're going to be doing is makeup brushes that look like lightsabers. And I'm like, yes, I would love to pick up a lightsaber every morning as part of my morning routine. Like, that's genius. <laughs> How did no one do this before? That's so cool. Yeah. And I but think it- also, like, it's kind of the same deal if you're like, I I save all my best most spectacular outfits and like really work hard at my look at conventions. It's just like it gives you something that is yours in a way. It's like it gives you a, a something to, to to look forward to. Like if mm-hmm. if putting on your Peggy Carter lipstick every day makes you feel good, then that's that it's worth it It does and like people might say who cares if it's peggy carter branded but if 
you get something out of it, you know, or like planning a really crazy wardrobe for a long weekend. Like that's something fun. It's fun to do that. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's like you do get something out of it. As long as it serves you, it's fine. It don't when it gets to a point where you feel obligated to do it, then maybe I don't know, like Marie Kondo, Kondo that shit. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I th- I think that you do get something out of it just like in your own personal way. Right. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what Tia was saying earlier about this is kind of tied into the identity that you want to present to the world. Mm-hmm. And for uh, I, I think that nerd fashion is a way for... It, it's kind of like the read a comic in public day concept where you're choosing to say, yeah, I'm a nerd and being a nerd is awesome and I'm giving myself some kind of visual signifier so if other nerds want to interact with me they can kind of thing yeah like if you're if you're wearing a a jane hat from firefly that's not a mistake i know you love the show like i'm gonna come up (laughs) and talk to you and be like hey i'm a leaf on the wind (laughs) But I but I also might wear one of those hats in the dead of winter because ten bucks says that's a really warm hat. Right, but like that's (laughs) that's a choice. Like you, like if someone doesn't know what it is, they're just going to be like, oh, that's a very bright hat. But if someone watched Firefly, they're going to be like, oh, a friend, let me talk to you. Or they'll even if they don't like come up and talk to you because sometimes that's weird looking at you, New York City. But um, it's still like it's nice to know that you're not alone. And even just yeah. like seeing someone wearing something that you identify with is enough for you to sometimes be like, aha, they get it. Okay, so one time I was wearing my Baphomet necklace that I got for my Baphomet cosplay and I was wearing it on the subway because it's a great necklace. And mm-hmm. this super, super like black metal Satan looking motherfucker with like long hair and smudged eyeliner and really scary, like sharp looking long nails came up to me like too close like in my space and he Mm -hmm. like bends over and he gets right up against me to like inspect my necklace and he he stands up and he looks me in the eye and he nods and he got off the subway at the next stop yeah Tia that was a really weird time in my life (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's a bit over the line and by a bit i mean quite um <laughs> i don't but know i think it was also like a really surreal thing that that was very amusing i mean i didn't feel right. threatened or anything so, yeah so tangentially related um do you both get like weird ads on instagram for this kind of stuff because i do like <laughs> definitely i'm getting tracked by all sorts of weird things based on my google history and all sorts of other things and so i keep getting ads for like hey why don't you spend nine thousand dollars on this thanos ring that looks like it's got all of the power stones in it and it looks like a super bowl ring and i'm like why does any why why do you want that why would anybody want that and why would anyone want to spend that kind of money i know i just it blows my mind because these are the types of ads that i'm getting for some reason it's like for some reason or I know, I know. The Instagram it's ads as if Instagram, that I get, they know that I'm getting married, and I'm like, that's not going to be my wedding <laughs> oh ring. Oh my okay, god! Guys. But it totally like <sighs> no. Oh oh no! Gosh, <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. See, because that's the other side. Like there is this thing where you can 
incorporate comic book slash nerdy culture, whatever, into your wedding. And I'm, like, very, like, not about that. Like, I do love my comic books and I love my nerdy shirts and stuff. But I also recognize that it's good to just look good and it doesn't have to be comic book or nerd oriented. I may go the route of superhero socks. But that is probably as far as I want to go. Because, like, I don't need... Or in cufflinks, maybe. Um, but that's about as far as I want to go. Oh, oh my God, Mike. Do, do X-Men logo cufflinks, please. Oh, that's yeah, for sure. Kara, <laughs> yes. Wait, I've, yes. Seen, I've seen cute concepts where it's like the groomsmen take a picture where it's like they're tearing open their shirts and they're all wearing like Superman t-shirts under them. And yeah. Stuff like that's yeah. really cute. Because that's like, you're not yeah. like part of the ceremony. That's just a cute photo that you get to have later and be like, ha, can't believe I convinced my friends to do that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been in a wedding, you know, where a buddy of mine bought everybody, there was enough of us, there were seven of us, including the groom, um, where we all got one of the Dragon Balls as like a Stop. groom's gift. And so we That's all like, so cute. This, this is just a gift. And so we did take a picture with all of us holding the, the Dragon Balls that we had gotten. But like, that wasn't part of the ceremony or anything like That's that. That's adorable. I've seen yeah. some very tasteful Harry Potter themed weddings. Let me tell you. Right. You get to, yeah, you I do mean, some subtle theming and you have like a good calligrapher. You can make anything look great. Yeah, exactly. All of my Instagram ads are for this skirt that I really want to buy. That's a see-through maxi skirt with like silver stars, sequin stars all over it. Oh no! Which I which so, I would wh- wear that to a convention. Like, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything that's sparkly and see-through. It's like- <laughs> all of my instagram ads right now are for pros hair care and i'm like what are you trying to say (laughs) what's the hint here about my hair (laughs) good so we're all getting marketed in the the worst but best way possible that's all (laughs) that's good to know um i don't need to spend 40 dollars on a bottle of shampoo mike okay Okay. i'm fancy i'm not that fancy cut to you know six weeks from now so i bought that shampoo mike and uh Okay. Well, so, all right. So, sorry to do- go completely off the rails there. I, any final thoughts on nerd fashion? I think we've we've covered a lot. There's obviously more to say. I think if anybody comes to C2E2, they could definitely see what I'm talking about in terms of the type of stuff that we're all going to be wearing and presenting at that con to look our absolute best and coolest. Um, but any final thoughts from the two of you? My best nerd fashion item that I also bought for one of my friends, and she and I whenever we wear it out, get consistently complimented on it, um, is Loungefly does handbags for Disney and by extension Star Wars. And their designs are great. And she and I both have their like BB-8 purse that's like the perfect size purse. And Mm -hmm. the BB-8 style is like so cute and round and bubbly, but like from far away, it just looks like a really cool purse. And then if you get closer, if people know Star Wars, they're just like, is this a Star Wars bag? I really like it. And if not, they're just like, that's like a really cute bag. But that is the thing that I consistently get the most compliments on. Awesome. What about you, Tia? For me, I think it has to be my Winter Soldier hoodie, which is like super <sighs> low key. It's just a black hoodie. And then one of the sleeves is gray. And then it's painted with like the star and lines so that it looks like it's all articulated. And mm-hmm. it's kind of subtle. Like, I actually work in a, a nerd environment and I'm, like people di- a lot of people didn't even realize it and then they'd be like oh so but I've had people like on airplanes be like is that a Winter Soldier hoodie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean in in your defense it's a really fucking cool hoodie on its own and it just so happens to be a Winter Soldier hoodie. I will say I'm very jealous of it. Tia you reminded me I was on a flight uh, 
oh my god this was like last month maybe and i was wearing my rachel antonoff for betty and veronica like betty and veronica jacket which like the back is covered with all these b and v patches and it's super cute and i started adding my pins to the front anyways so i'm wearing this thing and i'm in line to get onto the flight and this dude behind me who is like i not to stereotype but he looked like the least nerdy possible person ever and he was just like oh betty and veronica i used to read those comics all the time and i was like you (laughs) did (laughs) it's just he like would not shut up about how cool it was that i was wearing a betty and veronica jacket and i'm just like just let me get on this plane but it was like that's That's the kind of thing i'm talking about you kind of like draw people out of the woodwork by wearing stuff like that yeah definitely um I only ever get complimented on the pins that I put on my head or on my hat. Sorry. But they're cute pins. And also how Jughead of you. I know. Well, that's I, here. here's the thing. Uh-huh. In all of my searching at comic conventions, I cannot for the life of me find just a plain gray Jughead beanie that doesn't have any branding on it. It just has the two little pins on it. I know at one point. Mike, they Archie have them on the Archie website. Well, I know, but they have a. So here's the thing I'm about find this. this for I looked you, Mike. at them at a comic convention, and they have a huge, like, massive, annoying, itchy patch on them no. that you can't get around, and I hate it. And I was almost, I almost bought one at New York City Comic Con, but it had a huge Betty and Veronica patch on it. Oh, Not that yeah. I don't like Betty and Veronica, but like, I'm looking for a specific aesthetic here with this. We can beanie. find a way to remove that patch, Mike. I'm just saying, you can be okay. creative here. If I can find one at C2E2, that's what I'm. I'm buying one. That's just all that I want in my life because I wear beanies. Yeah. And I just want a Jughead beanie. Yeah. That's it. Anyways, let's we're, we're, we're out of tape completely. <laughs> so we got to wrap this up. <laughs> you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Tia at Portrait of Madam X, the French way. You can follow Kara on Twitter at Kara S Sam. You can follow me at Mike Rappin, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where we post share comic book news art sass and more i started an instagram account for our site you can go to instagram.com slash ircb podcast as well you can check out our goodreads group for weekly threads comic discussions and a lot of nice people and our website is ircbpodcast.com and that includes our pronunciation guide for those creator names where you look at it and you're like and also our merchandise (laughs) please rate the show subscribe tell your friends share the show with everyone you love if you haven't please please do it really helps us out you could also email us with your comments questions jokes thoughts etc at ircb at destroythesibe.org and you could subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash ircb podcast for exclusive audio and articles early access to the top of my pile posts and lots more infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all the music for our show we really appreciate that they let us use their music xander is a very nice friendly individual he gives the best high fives and quite honestly gives great hugs he also edits the show i want to say thank you to kara and tia for being on the show thank you to everyone who reaches out to us all of the insane amount of people who have been just pinging us non-stop and harassing me i honestly love it so keep doing it i really appreciate it i'm talking to you joe who's just been giving me shit for the last three days I appreciate you. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. It's a cy- cyborgy. Cyborgy. And with that, we're going to take a break. See it. No, I, we I will know. be back. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, I started this. I said that yeah. it was sexier yeah. than uh-huh, intended. And if you look at that fucking cover, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a bunch of men just pawing all over each other. Uh huh. Come on. I'm so proud of you, Mike. We've ruined you. <laughs> I know. I know. I Nothing is innocent now. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. So I know the X-Men fandom. I follow and talk to enough of enough people who are big in the X-Men fandom, and they talk to the writers. Like, there's this, like, a degree and a half of separation between me and the actual X-Men writers now, given, like, the couple of people that I know um, or have been talking to quite prevalently about X-Men online, and they're all fully aware of, like, the fandom's obsession with, like, making everyone into this like you do with fandoms where everyone's getting shipped with everybody. And so covers like this come out and I'm like, that's definitely intended. There's no <laughs> way they were, that was just a coincidence, right? Uh, so yeah, I, that's all I can think of now. That's all I can see with the X-Men books. Especially when Chris Anka was doing covers for Rogue and Gambit. I'm like, they know what's happening here. Uh, yeah, you only hire Chris Anka when you want the sex to ooze from the image. Exactly. And like, it's not even like the Rogan Gamut covers were like extremely sexy, but there were two that were like, oh boy. And I, that's what they're selling on the front cover. It's not a variant, it's the regular covers. So, uh, what's what, what hey. series was this again? <laughs> this was Rogue and Gambit. I mean, hey, you know what? If you want to just get into and understand where I'm coming from, read that series. Kelly Thompson totally just nailed it i just want to say i so i google searched rogue and gambit and the first hit is a sci-fi article that is titled x-men rogue and gambit's greatest x-rated romantic moments no (laughs) kara your google search is broken (laughs) no it's not do it (laughs) google knows what you're about (laughs) shut up mike rogue if i just search rogue and gambit you're saying yeah (laughs) oops Is this Ring of Fire a book? <laughs> oh no! Wait, sci-fi.com. Oh my god! I'm telling you, it's you're literally proving your own point regarding yep. like people know what they're getting into when they get into the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, especially between these two, this forbidden love. There's a clarifying note. There's a clarifying oh. note, a paragraph into the article that says, "We said they were X-rated because they're X-Men, not because it's porn." Sorry. Boo. They fucking got us. They got us with the clickbait. You got me with clickbait. But also, like, whoever decided to go with that pun, I feel that. No, scroll down. There is a moment that says, too much intimacy, and there's a page out of a book that is racy. Oh. Just racy. Oh, I'm still at the date night section. There's a lot of this. One last kiss at the end of the world? Oh, okay. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, I see why you like this series, Mike. This is this is what I'm saying. I see why so, you ship them. Rogue and Gambit are the in my. It's perfect because he's a piece of like shit who thinks he can get with any woman, and Rogue is like, you literally can't get with me. She's literally <laughs> untouchable. I will kill you. Yeah, she's literally <laughs> untouchable. It is it is the trashiest romance novel premise that you could ever think of, which is why I read that fucking Rogue book that you told me to read. Uh-huh. And Rogue Touch. I get it now. I get Where it. she falls in love with the time-traveling alien and oh, takes my. care of his son at the end. Oh my god. Kara, don't even remind <laughs> me about what happened. I'm so proud of you for reading that. 
I see. I read it from beginning to end. I think I read it in three sittings, and I remember the last one was the longest because I was like, "Oh, now we've ju- I've just got to get through this." There was just so much, so much like just jumping the shark over and over and over in that story. Ugh. Anyways, okay. Oh, I got to the sexy page, and I have to wonder: is not being able to touch her gambits like is that his kink? Like he gets turned on by the I, idea that he can't touch her? You know, I was. I'm so sorry. My parents are probably listening to this. I love you, mom and dad. (laughs) No, this is that we're in the break. We're definitely in the break. Xander can cut this however he wants. (laughs) Bonus material at the end. That might be what he's into. I don't know. We've never explored that side of him. He definitely has made allusions to being like enjoying being tied up. I can definitely say that. (laughs) Well, now, now you're definitely getting the segment cut, Mike. I know. Ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, let's take... I'm going to go um, get some water. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, because I'm thirsty. Mm-hmm. And we can... Yeah, I know you're thirsty, <laughs> I'll Mike. Back. I'll be back in a second. 